Well, we might have been looking for rate cuts and a more dovish outlook in the United States, but that seems to have turned around a bit. Jerome Powell is back in the higher for longer mode and inflation expectations in the Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey ticks a couple of basis points higher again as well. Meanwhile, a downgrade to the U.S. outlook for Moody's, a watch change in the RBA's statement of monetary policy, and this is the big week for critical numbers, not least U.S. CPI. That could change a few things, couldn't it? It's Monday, the 13th of November, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, we saw a small move up in the US dollar on Friday, but it was up 0.8% over the week. The Aussie also down on Friday and down 2.3% over the week, even with a hike in interest rates. The euro, meanwhile, up 0.2% on Friday, but down 0.4% over the week. And bond markets quietened down a bit towards the end of the week. 10-year Treasury yields started the week at 4.52%. They finished the week 12 basis points higher. 30 years were just six basis points higher, with most of the movement at the front end. So two years finishing 19 basis points higher. And it was definitely more of an American thing, because German 10-year bonds last week rose just seven basis points, and Australian 10 years fell 10 basis points last week, down to 46 And equities back in full force on Friday, a 2% rise in the Nasdaq, for example, 1.6% for the S&P, which over the week grows 1.3%. Over two weeks, it's up 7.25%. What could possibly go wrong there? And Aussie shares, meanwhile, down on Friday for the ASX 200 and pretty flat over the week. The FTSE 100 in the UK, a bad day on Friday and down 0.8% last week. The Eurostoxx 50 uh, also lost ground on Friday, down three quarters of 1%. But even with that, it was up 0.6% across the week. And oil on the rise on Friday, up 1.9% for WTI, 1.8% for Brent. After big falls earlier in the week, uh, it finished at 81.40 a barrel, starting the day at 79.90. So Sky Masters has drawn the short straw. Uh, she's out of bed early this morning to join me on the morning call, which is handy because she can explain why we've seen such a move up in yields in the US last week, while equities are also still pushing ahead. So the S&P back over 4,400 on Friday. So that's a bit of a benchmark. And yet, you know, uh, we did have Sky, you know, more dovish talk was happening about, you know, where the Fed goes next until Jerome Powell on Thursday at the IMF conference in Washington, saying that uh, he was unsure about whether the Fed had done enough to slow the pace of inflation, uh, which he said is well above where they'd like to see it. So we are really now back, aren't we? Back at, you know, talking higher for longer again. Morning, Phil. Yeah, look, interesting price action to to end end the week last week. As you said, we have seen uh, US Treasury yields bounce a little bit higher off off the lows that we saw earlier in the week. Um, Obviously, that that weak thirty-year auction um, on Thursday was was a bit of a bit of a catalyst for that move, um, and and also uh, Fed commentary that's come out sort of highlighting to the market that you know maybe went then that the Fed isn't done quite yet in terms of of tightening policy or or at a minimum um, rate cuts are still some way off, and on Friday night you did. Um, you know, one piece of data that came out was the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment um, Report. And while it did show quite a meaningful drop in consumer confidence, um, on the flip side, it's we saw further um, up, upward pressure on inflation expectations and that sort of spooked the market a little bit as well. So you know, I think that that was a factor behind driving um, U.S. Treasury yields higher. Uh, We can talk about it a little bit later on, but there was an announcement by Moody's um, putting um, US rating um, outlook from moving it from stable to negative. 
Um, so maybe at the margin that had a bit of an impact on bond yields. Um, but to the flip side, you, you had a good, good rally in, in Aussie bonds through, through the week. Um, what, what drove that? Um, you know, in, in part the RBA, we did, we did get a, a rate hike by the RBA on Tuesday, but the statement post that meeting and also the, um, the SOMP, which was out on, on Friday was seen as, um, a bit more dovish um, in in terms of in terms of the commentary out of the RBA um, and you know the focus you've talked about it in in the podcast earlier in the week but the focus for the market is um, where the RBA sort of shifted that that wording from some further rate hikes to you know whether they need to, to tighten policy from here and that inflation increase the, the increase in the inflation uh, forecast is quite marked isn't it so the true mean inflation forecast for the end of this year is 4.9% versus 3.9% last time. Well, that's that's fairly easy, isn't it? Because we're fairly close to the end of the year now. Uh, but 3.3% up from 3.1% previously for next year. Not much of a change for the 2025 forecast. Though. No, so um, it actually the end, year end for 2023 has been lifted to 4.5 um, from 3.9. Um, but th- that's the meaningful increase. Um but then, yeah, you're correct. The 2025 year-end forecast was lifted from 2.8 to 2.9. So you could say that's a marginal lift, um, and it is. But remember that the upper end of their target band is 3%. So they're only forecasting now um, trim mean inflation to get back into their target band only just by the end of 2025. So there's very little wiggle room for, for um, upside surprise there. Uh, yeah, so so we look at you know we've looked at their forecasts and and their their hawkish uplifts in forecasts both you know for the inflation outlook for um, for their unemployment rate forecasts they've sort of been dropped dropped lower and so you know for us for NAB um, the hurdle for the RBA to tighten it again is is quite low and that's why we do have the RBA um, we penciled in another tightening by the RBA in February. And yet, the wording in the in that statement is sort of like uh, you know, I mean, there's, they're giving themselves lots of uh, legroom, aren't they? I mean, they're using the word weather several times. Whether they're going to lift rates, so I mean, they're not saying they're not going to, but also they're you know they're trying to give themselves a, a fairly long string, a fairly long leash on that, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they're clearly a, a reluctant hiker, the RBA, and I mean, I guess you could say they have been through this whole latter part of the the tightening cycle. Um, and they clearly don't want to move rates into deeply into restrictive territory, like you may have seen in what well, we you know we have seen in um, in other central banks. So uh, you know they're not going to they they need um, to go again. You know they need sort of upside surprise based on their forecasts. Um, and the the interesting thing for us when we look at their forecasts is that um, you know they do. Yeah, the, we know that their forecasts are based on um, market pricing and economists' expectations for future movements in cash rates. So they've got a cash rate peaked at around 450. So even with the risk of further tightening, they still don't have inflation back within the target band until the end of 2025. And so that's why to us, you know, we're saying like the bar is very low for another rate hike. You, you don't need to really see too much upside surprise in, in data to get the RBA to, to move again. Um, and in terms of, of key data to watch um, going forward, you know, we've obviously got WPI this, this week um, and employment 
data later in the week. But then, you know, the monthly monthly CPI prints, but more importantly, the Q4 CPI print, which is at the end of January. Um, and then, you know, the Q3 GDP print, which is out, I think, early early December. So, you know, every piece of data is, is going to be important going forward in, in driving um, or cementing the outlook for the RBA. Right. Now, you took us around the world in the answer to the first question. So let's go back to the United <laughs> States just for a second. So Moody's on Friday lowering its outlook for the U.S. credit rating from stable to negative uh, because of the rise in debt affordability, uh, which isn't great timing because they are arguing, of course, about the debt ceiling in Washington at the moment. But we also had that, you know, lower than expected uh, take up of the 30 year bonds at the auction on Thursday as well. So is the volume of bonds too much? Uh, is, is the market reacting to just how much there is out there? And is that, is that impacting yield? I think in the past you've said, you know, the volume of bonds is, is, is not a great deal. But here we are. It's obviously affecting the Moody's rating, isn't it? Yeah, look, the, the volume um, of bonds, it, it's, is it not a big deal? It, it is a big deal, um, but it, it's more in terms of how much is it impacting price action. So, you know, as I said to you before, it's not going to drive the hundred basis point moves in yields, but it is going to it is going to cause um, it is going to be an influence on the direction of bond yields. So, you know, Moody's is is more talking about um, the cost of rising interest rates um, that's and the political backdrop in the U.S. So, it's the interest cost on the debt borrowing, um, and obviously, as interest rates go higher, the cost of that is higher. Um, and as you've got the volume of bonds outstanding increases, then obviously that that adds to the to the cost. But and so the impact actually could be more political more than anything, couldn't it? I mean, it could be used as the excuse for you know trying to push back on any spending as they once again start to argue, argue over the debt ceiling. And you know they can point and say, hey, look what Moody's has just done. Yeah, definitely. And you've also got to remember that um, you know Moody's has moved the outlook from um, stable to negative, but they still have the US government debt rated as a AAA. Uh, now, they're the only rating agency out there that rates it as a AAA. So recall that Fitch lowered their rating back in on the US to from AAA to AA plus back in August, and Standard & Poor's downgraded the US in 2011. Um, so the, the, the outlook probably is that Moody's will eventually downgrade, um, downgrade the US. Um, but also just going back to, to your point or, or question around, um, you know, the, the, the weight of supply out there and, and how it's driving um, the Treasury market. You know, one thing, and, and Tapas did talk about it with you on um, Friday morning, but the, you know, I think that the weakness in the 30-year um, bond auction on Thursday was possibly largely in part due to where yields were tra- were. were were at that time, as opposed to necessarily the weight of supply, if that makes sense. If if that auction had been done a couple of weeks ago when yields were up near their cycle highs, the outcome might have been different in terms of the auction. Okay, well, we'll never know, will we? Of course. We won't. <laughs> uh, what we do know uh, is that the UK has narrowly avoided uh, negative GDP. The economy flatlined in Q3. It was expected it was going to fall a little. Uh, Hugh Pill has been talking as well, sounding more dovish as well. 
so, you know, even though it's a little bit better than expected, it's still pretty bad, isn't it? And it would be hard to imagine the Bank of England's going to do too much more, but never say never. Yeah. I mean, as you say, the, the headline number came in, you know, slightly better better than expected at flat versus a consensus view of a, a 0.1% decline. Um, but, you know, the detail within the, the report wasn't encouraging um, you know, private consumption falling 0.4%, government spending down 05 and business investment fell 2%. So, so not a, not a great report. Um, and you know, while it, but while the BOE might be stressing that you know they don't want to um, move rates lower anytime soon and want to keep um, policy restrictive for longer, um, you know, market pricing is implying that the tightening cycle is complete. Um, and I think, you know, this the, the UK um, GDP print pretty much supported that pricing. Of course, it's what CPI does, isn't it, that counts. So we'll wait for that. Now we get uh, US CPI. That's got to be, I mean, apart from Australian wages data you've already mentioned and the employment numbers, uh, US CPI on Tuesday, uh, US time. Uh, I mean, that, uh, that that obviously is the number that counts. Yeah. So that that's sort of really going to drive... Uh, sentiment to start to start the week. I think yeah, the consensus view is is that the the monthly core measure will rise by 0.3 percent, leaving the annual rate at 4.1. Um, so that will bring to a halt the the decline in the annual rate, which we've, we've been seeing since um, since March. So you know that's expected, um, but it's not a great it's not a great outcome. Um, you, know, I think. Yeah, you know, which way is the market skewed towards you know a, a big a big shift in yields? I mean, volatility is going to going to remain high, but I do think given where yields are currently tracking, which is still at the lower end of their recent trading range, I do think the market is more at risk of an upside surprise in that data print than well, downside. I wonder if that's going to send the cow amongst the pigeons. We'll find out, won't we? Uh, that'll do for now, though. Thanks, Sky. Thanks for getting up. Thanks, Phil. We'll be dragging Ray Atrill out of bed, kicking and screaming on Tuesday morning for another edition of The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll join you then. Thanks for listening.